Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Let's talk about illusions. If you're one of the muggles, the ordinary people listening to this podcast, then you know what illusions are. They're things that fool your senses, things that aren't real, things that look like one thing and are something else. You're probably thinking of optical illusions, which are very popular. Maybe a mirage where you see water ahead of you, but there is no water. It's just an illusion. In addition to optical illusions, there are, of course, other kinds of illusions, auditory, kinesthetic. But if you're a magician, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Magicians have their own jargon, their own lingo, and we call illusions the big magic tricks. For example, if you pull a rabbit out of a hat, that's a pretty good trick. If you produce a little puppy dog from an empty dog house, that's a pretty good trick. But if you produce lions and tigers and bears, oh my, if you produce an elephant, that's an illusion. And if you make a silk handkerchief disappear, that's a trick. If you make a rabbit disappear, that's a little bit bigger trick. But if you make a horse disappear, that's an illusion. So in general, magicians define illusions as the big stuff. Tricks which use people, large animals, automobiles, airplanes. The tricks that are big and require a big stage or a big performance area, those are what we magicians call illusions. And all of my life as a magician, I have loved the illusions. So I sometimes tell people that, yeah, I do magic. That's how I make my living. But my hobby is illusions. And that's not really true because I've used large stage illusions as part of how I make my living. But I'd like to tell you a little bit about how I learned about and how I started getting the big stuff, illusions. It's not what I'm best known for but it's an important part of my career as a magician. In a previous episode, we talked about Victory Carton Illusions, the book that came out during World War II. Victory, meaning the war, and carton, meaning cardboard cartons, and illusions. And what that meant to magicians is we can make the big stuff, the big tricks, the illusions, out of simple materials such as cardboard cartons. I had that book when I was a kid. Uh, One of the illusions from it was sold separately called the Victory Girl Production. And the Victory Girl Production was pretty simple. You took two cardboard boxes, fairly large cardboard boxes, one slightly bigger than the other, open at top and bottom, and you lifted them up one at a time and showed that they were completely empty, plus the fact that you lifted them up would indicate that there wasn't a whole lot uh, hidden in them. And then you nest them, the two together, say the magic words, play the magic music, and out pops a girl. Always a convenient thing to have available. It was intended to be done with just simple 
refrigerator cartons cut down and taped together to be the right size so that they wouldn't look like anything tricky. But when I finally did make up my first set, which I think was while I was at LSU as an undergraduate student, I painted one of them jonquil yellow and the other Chinese red on the outside. And I don't remember if I painted the inside flat black. I probably did because that's just sort of the way I pictured things. But I wanted them to look more like a big magic trick, like a big stage effect, than some tricky little thing I had made from stuff in the dumpster. But the, I don't think that was my first big stage effect. I suspect the first one was levitation, floating a girl in the air. I still think that's one of the most beautiful of all magical illusions. It's pretty cool if you can crumple up a dollar bill and float it just above your hand. It's pretty cool if you can float a silver ball beneath a foulard. That, by the way, is called zombie. And there's another example of magician's jargon. If you tell a bunch of ordinary people, hey, I'm going to have a zombie on stage, you know what they're thinking. They're thinking this uh, horrible, monstrous, living dead, oh my gosh. But if you tell a bunch of magicians, they all know you mean a floating ball under a fillard, a scarf, a large handkerchief, a trick that was invented by Joe Carson in 1943, the year I was born. And if that interests you, go back to that episode. I call it the zombie apocalypse. And magicians know right away what that is. Anyway, we were talking about jargon, and we were talking about the fact that the word illusions means something special to magicians. The word levitation actually may mean something different to magicians because we have lots of ways to float a girl in the air. I even have a book called Six Modern Levitations by U.F. Grant. That's the same company that put out the Victory Carton Illusions. And on the cover it says, All simple and inexpensive to construct. So there are six specific methods for floating a girl in the air. And of course, I have many more books with many more ideas. If the girl actually does float up into the air, we call that levitation. If, on the other hand, she's just suspended, for example, you put her on the back of two chairs and then pull the two chairs away and she remains there and you pass a hoop over, well, that's audiences would call that levitation, but magicians talking to each other, refer to that as a suspension. A suspension would be different from a levitation, where she actually floats up into the air. It's interesting to me that from the standpoint of an audience member, there must be some way to float a girl in the air. Maybe there's some wires, or maybe there are mirrors, or maybe there's some mechanism coming out of a trap door, or maybe there's this, or maybe there's that. It may be that any of those have been used at one time or another, are that none of them are being used by a particular magician. So the illusion is the same. A beautiful girl floats in the air. But the method could be any one of literally dozens of different possibilities. Some of them so amazing you just can't believe it, like David Copperfield's flying. And some of them so simple that 
that method is almost pathetic. And that means I have to tell you about the up daddy levitation. All right, that's not really the name of it. But my brother Carter never considered himself a magician, but he's always helped magicians because his big brother was a magician. And one of his friends, when they lived in the Gulfport area, Long Beach, Mississippi, one of his friends was a kid magician younger than me, more his age. Uh, he's four, about four years younger, I believe. My brother Carter was helping the friend. Uh, they knew about victory carton illusions. They also knew about the uh, six modern levitations. And one of them was ridiculously simple. And it required somebody behind the curtain to push on a tuba floor, which would raise the girl up into the air. I have never seen this done and find it difficult to believe that it could actually fool anybody. But still, we were kids back then, and uh, they tried everything in the book, as, as we did. I wasn't there, but my brother has told me the story of his dad being back behind the curtain to push on the tuba for. And uh, so apparently the kid pretended to hypnotize his sister or his girlfriend or whoever it was. And she lay there and nothing happened. And he passed his arms over her and nothing happened. And he kept talking and saying, and now she will rise into the air and nothing happened. And finally he says in a loud stage whisper, up, daddy. And dad <laughs> realized, oh, wait, it's my cue and pushed on the two before. <laughs> I can only imagine the astonishment on the part of the audience. My goodness, the up daddy levitation. I've never performed that one. And it wasn't just a suspension. It was a true levitation. Anyway, I think probably the levitation, which was really a suspension, but don't tell anybody, was my first big illusion. I think I was in high school. I might have even been in junior high when I ordered Burling Hull's dream levitation plans. Burling Hull was a magician who had retired in uh, Deland, Florida. I got to meet him later on, later in his career. He had the most amazing advertising. It was just bombastic. I mean, it was incredible advertising. It made, it made you really want everything that he was selling. And one of the things he was selling was the dream levitation. And I bought the plans for it. At the time, I didn't know it was a variation on Abbott's levitation or suspension. It doesn't matter. The point was, I wanted this. And it required a special gimmick. I don't do a lot of disclosing of how things are done on this podcast because we've got lots of non-magicians listening in. Just trust me that it required a... Uh, metal worker to do some rather interesting stuff. I didn't want the metal worker to know. I didn't want him to know it was a magic trick. And this was the days before Xerox, back, back in the late 50s probably. So I cut out pieces of the information showing how to make the uh, gimmick. Took that to him and said it was for a special ironing board uh, tool thing for my workshop. I don't know if he believed me. I did have it built and we made it so that it looked a little like a flying carpet. And my mom, of course, sewed together the, it was a purple satin carpet with gold fringe. And my brother 
made a couple dragon tables. They were just little tables, and they were painted jonquil yellow with Chinese red trim. Those were my favorite magic colors back then. And they're still among my favorite magic colors. The flying carpet was put on top of those two tables. The girl was hypnotized, and then two people had to lift her and put her on top of the flying carpet. Then, one by one, the two tables were removed, leaving her completely suspended in midair. Then we passed a hoop. I used a hula hoop because they were readily available. We passed a hoop over her to show that nothing was holding her. Pretty good illusion, if I do say so myself. And one of my favorite photos is a picture. My parents uh, moved to Long Beach, Mississippi while I was at LSU, and they had a house that they were renting across the, the highway from the Gulf, from the beach. And so I walked across to the beach with my little sister, Judy. She lay down on the flying carpet, and uh, we didn't bother with the tables, but we had the hula hoop. I suspect it was my mom that took the photo, because she took lots of my publicity photos back then. And I've got this wonderful photo of Judy floating in the air on the beach with the ocean in the, the gulf in the background. It's such an amazing thing. It looks like trick photography. But it wasn't trick photography, because that's not what magicians do. Perhaps a few have used trick photography a time or two, but we won't talk about them, because they're not real magicians. They're just tricksters. So the levitation, technically a suspension of a beautiful woman, was one of my favorite tricks. And at LSU, Six Flags Over Texas came doing auditions because the magician who had worked for them for a number of years was supposedly going to retire. And I ended my audition with this suspension. I explained about hypnotizing the girl and all of that stuff. I believe the girl that I used was uh, my fiance's sorority sister. At the end, they came and said, that was pretty amazing, but how did you hypnotize the flying carpet? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's just funny stuff. And while at LSU, I did make up the Victory Girl production and produced my fiancé in a show at the LSU Union. I think we were the first big show in their theater because the Union was built while we were there. Uh, my wife and I were both undergraduates at LSU at the same time. And then we got married after we graduated, immediately after we graduated. What other illusions did I do in that show? Of course I used a guillotine. The reason that I had a guillotine is because I did part-time work for the Gordon Theater. I worked for the two brothers that ran the theater. One of them, Randy, was in charge of concessions, and the other, Gordon, Gordy, was uh, in charge of promotion. And with him, we promoted uh, Bye Bye Birdie, the movie with Anne Margaret, and I was the right age to immediately fall in love with Anne Margaret, and then uh, Tarzan movie. This was in the early 60s. I was at LSU between 61 and 65. I got to tour South Louisiana with a magic show featuring the guillotine, promoting the movie Two on a Guillotine. And that was really fun. If you haven't listened to episode number 13, My Love Affair with the Guillotine, now would be a good time to do that. Later, Gordy came to me and said, okay, we're getting this movie that's awful. It's called Ride the Wild Surf, and it's uh, 
teen exploitation beach movie, basically. We've got to do something to get people to come to the show. And I said, hmm, what if we were to float a girl in a bikini on a surfboard, but not in the water, in the air? And he liked the idea because it was obviously quite innovative. Problem was, did I mention we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? The Mississippi River doesn't have much of a surf, and there were no surf shops. And back in 1965, there were very few girls in bikinis. And what was called a bikini back then, we would just call a two-piece suit now. The world was different back then, and the world will be different 50 years from now. But the point is that we had trouble finding a surfboard, and we had trouble finding a girl in a bikini. And we finally found a homemade surfboard that was a big hollow thing made out of plywood, but it would work for the purpose. And we stood it up against the box office outside the theater and put a sign on it saying, girl in bikini will float on this in the air, such and such a time, date, and and, uh, obviously the place, the, the stage at the Gordon Theater. But a couple of days before all of this was scheduled to happen, and we had newspaper ads and radio ads and everything. And a couple of days before this happened, we still hadn't found a girl in a bikini. And finally, Gordy lets me know, hey, I found a girl that works at a health club. She has a two-piece suit. She's willing to do this. I'll pay her. But she gets off work at six o'clock and the show's at seven and she's on the other side of town. I'll pick her up after work and bring her and uh, we can make it happen. Well, she hadn't arrived by the time the show was to begin. And so we had a good audience because we had promoted this. So I got up on stage and started doing my show. I'm sure I did the linking rings uh, because that's something that I often did. And whatever other magic tricks were in my show at that time. And finally, at the back of the theater, I see Gordy and a girl with a terry cloth robe wrapped around her, and he's waving to me, and I wave to him to have the girl come up on stage, and she shrugs off the robe, and she's in a, a two-piece suit. Uh, I mean, you know, this is acceptable. The ads for the movie showed girls in what we would call two-piece suits, and uh, although they called them bikinis. Anyway, she came up on stage. I had never met her before. She had never met me. She'd never been in a magic show. And we had never performed the floating surfboard before. I was using the same method, the Burling Hole Dream Levitation, which was, as you now know, a suspension. Point is, I performed the head cremation illusion, which is something that my brother and I had put together. My brother did most of the work. And it's where a girl sits down on a stool and you put a a box over her head with a big hole in it. And then, so you can see her face and then a tube over that, and then you thrust a torch into that tube, flames everywhere. You put the flames out, take the tube off, you can see a skull instead of her face from inside the window, and uh, then ultimately you take everything off and she's okay. And just a side note, to make sure she would be completely safe and it wouldn't hurt her, we lined the whole gimmick with asbestos. Again, it was a different time in 1965. But while I was performing the illusion, she had nothing to do except just sit there. And while I was performing it, I was using a stage whisper to tell her what was coming up and to reassure her that everything would be okay. And uh, when it was time for the grand finale, two guys in beach bum outfits, you know, with the straw hats and and, uh, loud shirts and long shorts, came running up the aisle with the surfboard They held the surfboard while I hypnotized her, 
and got her to sit on the surfboard. Then one by one, the two beach bums let go. She was floating in the air. One of them brought me a hula hoop, which I passed over her to show that nothing was holding her up. It was such a success that it was written up with a photo in Box Office Magazine. I love the big illusions. And I've got more, but I don't like these episodes to be too long. So let's talk about more illusions next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com.